sex ed. Sex ed. The year was 1969, and Robert Bailey was in the trenches of graduate school at the University of Florida. He was working as a TA, teaching assistant, during the day of a house manager of the George Siegel House, a three-bedroom home donated by the Siegel family to the fraternity next door as lodging for the house manager. Rob Bailey worked as a house manager for the frat house. That entailed getting free room and board for Robert, Mora, and their two children, Aaron Rose, she was about seven, and Roman Carroll, he was five. Roman's middle name, he despised it. It sounded like the feminine Carol, but the masculine form, spelled Gaelic, C-A-R-A-L, Carol. Roman hated it. He was constantly teased at school when the teacher called Roll and used his middle name. Hey, Carol, why aren't you wearing a dress? Hey, Carol, where's your dolls? Why don't you play with the other girls? Carol. The faculty, the teachers, they just laughed under their breath. What made it really unbearable for Roman was the unwanted attention from a girl that lived in his neighborhood. And she was also in his class. (laughs) And her name happened to be Carol. She thought it was cool. They shared the same name. It's not the same, Roman said over and over. And she thought Roman was cool too. Carol was always siding up next to him on the playground, trying to talk to him in class. The bus, it all drove Roman crazy. He was constantly trying to avoid her at school. If he saw her headed over his way, he'd make up some bizarre excuse to flee. Uh, sorry, uh, I gotta go pee. And he'd make his getaway. Though more times than he cared to admit, around the neighborhood, Carol and Roman, they'd just hang out. They'd hang out, well, they'd hang out as long as Roman's boy pals weren't around. Roman liked Carol. She was fun to play with. She loved to climb trees, swing from the limbs, just like Roman did. She had a black lab that followed her wherever she went. Roman used to have a black lab called Smokey, but that was when they lived in Melrose behind the church in the parsonage. Smokey had been run over by a pulpwood truck carrying a load of pine. That damn highway, his father had said more than once. Roman had been forbidden to cross it, even to go to the general store. That seemed like such a long time ago, now that they lived in Gainesville. Carol was easy to talk to, just really a sweet girl. But the more he was teased about his name, the less time he spent hanging out with her. Roman felt bad, felt bad about the way he treated her at school. He just wished her name wasn't Carol, but it wasn't her fault. (laughs) It's not Carol's fault that Roman's parents had given him a girl's name. Being her friend just made his life worse. He recalled something his dad said all the time. Life's not fair, and then you die. The Seagull House, as it was known, was around the corner from what Robin Moore often referred to as the hippie commune. It was just an old, dilapidated two-story house turned into apartments for students attending the university. They weren't jocks or nerds. They grew their hair long, wore tie-dyed shirts and jeans with peace symbols, patches on them, and wore sandals. They played music like Cat Stevens, Bob Dylan, Arlo Guthrie. Yeah, bona fide hippies. Roman was in awe of them. They were a million times more interesting than the duds in the frat house. Roman would sneak over to the hippie commune every chance he got. 
There was this one hippie in particular that Roman liked to visit more than the others. He played a beat-up, battered guitar, and he'd smoke from a large glass pipe. He called it a bong. Roman always laughed when he said it. Bong. Bong. <laughs> he just thought it was a funny word. Harry, the hippie, he was an undergrad student at U of F studying philosophy. Harry was also an army veteran, not long off the killing fields of Vietnam. Whenever the weather turned, he'd just complain and complain about the pain in his leg. Still had bits of shrapnel in it. Roman knew all about the war in Southeast Asia. It was the backdrop of every meal at the kitchen table as long as he could remember. Their small little black and white TV play non-stop film footage of the atrocities that were being committed on both sides. Roman could vividly recall seeing naked children running down the streets, their bodies covered in blisters, flesh seared off from the napalm that our aircraft had blanketed into their homes and villages. Roman had several older cousins that had been drafted, one in the Marines, one in the Air Force, and a couple in the Army. Some rice paddy or jungle getting shot at by the little yellow man, as Harry would say. Harry had two purple hearts and lots of pills on the counter to help me sleep at night when the whiskey just won't do it anymore, he'd say. Roman called him Harry the Hippie because of his long hair. It made them both laugh. Harry would call Roman Little Dude or Little Man and tell him the craziest stories from the war in Vietnam where he'd spent the last two years. He also showed Roman how to roll a doobie. Sometimes Harry would read letters to Roman that he received from his mother, who lived in the Midwest somewhere, Kansas, Ohio, Iowa. Roman could never remember. When Harry the hippie read the letters from his mother, he'd do it in her voice. He'd have Roman rolling on the floor laughing till he'd piss himself. Then sometimes Roman would pretend to be the hippie and respond with, Please send me more of your brownies. They're great. After a doobie. Of course, Roman didn't smoke. He was too young. For God's sakes, he's only five. One afternoon in particular stood out from all the rest. Roman was sitting at the kitchen table, visiting with Harry the hippie, munching on a homemade peanut butter bar. He guessed that Harry hadn't made it, but rather his mom had. Because A, it was delicious, and B, there wasn't any pot in it. Roman knew other people came and went in the apartment all the time. I mean, there was always someone crashed out on the sofa in the living room or on the floor some mornings if Roman stopped by too early. But on this day, it was just Roman, Harry, and his girlfriend, a very pretty girl with long blonde hair and brown eyes. She was probably maybe 20, Roman guessed. Roman was drinking a bottle of Coca-Cola and munching on the peanut butter bar. Harry was sitting at the kitchen table with Blondie sitting on his lap with her arm around his shoulder. She wore a tie-dye t-shirt with no sleeves and jean cutoffs, short cutoffs, moccasins that laced up to her calves. She wore one of those fringed leather vests that everyone seemed to wear. It had a matching leather headband that made her look like a blonde Pocahontas. Whenever she turned towards Harry, she'd accidentally flash Roman some side boob. Roman thought he could make out a nipple. Little man, have you ever seen a beaver before? Harry asked. Roman smiled. Sure, on TV. Mutual of Omaha's Animal Kingdom. I mean, they chop down trees with their teeth and live in houses made from sticks in the water. I mean, I'm just... Harry, <laughs> not that kind of beaver. <laughs> you know, a girl's most private, her... You mean to tell me, you and your little girlfriend, what's her name? Carol? Y'all have never played doctor and nurse? Roman sat there speechless. 
He wasn't quite sure he and Harry were talking about the same thing. She's not my girlfriend, Roman replied. His face was starting to get red. Harry took his hand and petted the space between his girlfriend's long, tan legs. She swatted his hand away and laughed. Stop teasing the poor kid, she said. The little dude needs to know about shit like this, Harry said and winked at Roman. He just sat there like a bump on a log. No idea what to do. Pocahontas wiggled a little on Harry's lap, but Roman could tell she wasn't really mad. She allowed Harry to part her legs and peel her shorts back just enough. Roman could certainly see her... This was about all anyone had ever told Roman about the birds and the bees. The opposite sex, their body parts. Then Harry took his finger and softly caressed what by now Roman had assumed was the part of the pussy beaver equation. Harry stroked it like one would stroke a cat to make it purr. Bing! He got it, like a pussy cat. Well, Roman could certainly see the similarities with the beaver's part of Harry's description. All natural was the banner for the modern feminist. His girlfriend pushed his hand away. That's enough show and tell for now. Roma could hear her whisper something into Harry's ear. He heard Pandora's box. A little mystery is a good thing. Pocahontas turned to Roman and winked at him as she crossed her legs and blew him a kiss. Roman felt his face flare up like it was on fire. He bolted from the apartment and ran home as fast as his little legs could carry him. Later on that same day, as the afternoon sun sank lower on the horizon, Roman was out front playing kickball with his sister, Aaron Rose. She had just nailed Roman with a stinging hit, throwing him out. You're out! Gotcha, you little twerp! Aaron yelled at Roman. Before he could even think, without a second's hesitation, Roman fired back, Pussy face! As soon as the word had rolled off Roman's tongue, he knew instinctively, Mom! Mom! Carol said a bad word! Aaron Rose always used Roman's middle name whenever she wanted to get him in trouble. Roman's first thought wasn't for his own safety. That would come later. But how in the world did his sister even know that word? I mean, she was only two years older than he was. I mean, she lived a sheltered existence compared to Roman's wild and willful ways. And why was it lumped into the bad word category? Roman stood there, his mind spinning with all of these questions as his sister ran inside to tell on him. That was her number one job as long as he'd known her. Mora immediately stuck her head out of the kitchen window and screamed, Roman Carol Bailey, get your little butt inside this house now. After Mora's unsuccessful interrogation on where in God's green earth did you hear that word, she held a bar of dial soap in her hands. She wagged it in front of Roman's innocent blue eyes. You tell me right this minute, young man, where you heard that word, or I promise you, you'll have the cleanest mouth east of the Mississippi. The look in Mora's eyes. Yeah, Roman knew she meant it, but there wasn't enough soap in their house to make him tell. Ever. Because that would certainly put an end to his visiting privileges to the hippie commune. And at this point in his little sheltered life, that's the only fun he had. Nah, she'd no doubt march right over there with Roman in tow, yell at Harry, yell at his girlfriend, and yell at everybody else for corrupt. Roman knew that was not going to happen. Mora, she could get out of control sometimes. Roman had seen her. Get on a rant, as Rob would say. He wasn't going to sacrifice what little freedom he had all over a bar of soap. Shit, Dow wasn't so bad. Things might have gone the other way if Mora had put a plate of liver and onions in front of him and told him he had to eat that. Gross. Mora Bailey 
was trying her best to keep it together. Day was a very important day for her. And where she fit into the social circle, she so desperately wanted to be included. Roman's mother was hosting an afternoon tea at their home for the Junior League Society. Mora had already popped two Valium and downed a jigger of vodka. She then mixed a quickie gin and tonic so she could get her head in the game, as Robbie would say. Why she was doing this wasn't clear to Reverend Rob, or Aaron Rose, or for that matter, Roman. They weren't part of that social crowd. As far as Roman knew, they weren't part of any crowd. But Moore saw an opportunity to move up the social rank among these sometimes snotty university women who had ostracized her in the past for seeking mental health treatment for her schizophrenia. Reverend Robb was still in the middle of his dissertation for his doctorate in education at the university. Tree into social circles. But Mora, on the other hand, cared a great deal. Social graces, acceptance into an organization like the Junior League, it all meant the world to her. And Reverend Rob wanted to keep her happy. He wanted to keep her home. A happy Mora meant she could look after the children and leave Rob alone to concentrate on his studies. For Mora, it meant separating herself from the stigma of mental illness. To leave that world behind where shock therapy treatment, straitjackets, and padded rooms might be forgotten. She wanted to surround herself with young, educated women, fashionably dressed, discussing politics, literature, and art. Iced sweet tea and tall highball glasses sweated with drops of condensation on the serving tray in the dining room. Next to a plate of small sweet cakes and homemade cookies, as a dozen young ladies sat around the dining room table chatting and nibbling on their tasty treats. Roman, who was barely five years old, was hiding underneath the dining room table, playing with his toy cars, being quiet, and of no bother. There was plenty of room under there. It was an enormous oak table seat 12 comfortably. Mora had given Roman stern instructions to mind his manners and not cause any commotion while she was entertaining her guest. She had pulled out her best tablecloth for the occasion, generously covered the table, and then some. None of the other members of the Junior League took notice of Roman. He was well concealed under the tablecloth. He often played under the table, pretending it was his very own little city, moving his toy cars around on the pattern rug underneath. Roman was driving his Hot Wheels black Porsche around the table leg with his yellow Ford truck in pursuit. Barbara, didn't you tell me that you saw Professor Linden and his TA in a most unprofessional manner in his office after hours? A small-heeled white leather sandal accidentally kicked Roman in his back. Ow! Roman said under his breath. He turned to see who the assailant was. Roman looked up and was face to knees with a pair of lean, tan legs sculpted for many years on the tennis court at the country club. Roman's mind zipped back to another pair of tan legs he had recently been exposed to, Pocahontas. He looked around at all the young women seated at the table. He was suddenly mesmerized by their brightly colored dresses, their short mini skirts were in style, sandals, go-go boots, and all those uncovered tan legs. A thought had entered Roman's pea brain. He could only fathom had something to do with his recent visit to the hippie commune next door. Roman had been introduced to the opposite sex, private parts, and then he had his mouth washed out with soap. When he used that new vocabulary on his sister, the fact is, 
He felt heady in the presence of so much bare skin. This thought that was growing rapidly inside Roman's fertile young mind was up to this point the wildest he had ever cultivated. Roman was forming a plan. He was going to play his very own game of operation. Remember the game? You know, the tiny tweezers, the buzzing alarm whenever anyone touched the edges, trying to extract a heart. Gotcha! He would tweak the old favorite just ever so slightly. Obviously, he had no tweezers at his disposal, so his hand would have to do. Roman wouldn't be removing a femur or a heart, nothing like that. It was just going to be a demonstration of how steady his nerves were. Well, his little game would be a test to see if he had what it took to be a surgeon, if he indeed had hands steady as a rock. First, Roman took a survey of all the possibilities before him. Legs crossed, which definitely took them out of consideration. Others had their knees so tightly pressed together, he wouldn't have been able to slide a piece of paper between them, much less his hand. Yes, this was his grand opus of an idea. He would close his fingers and turn his hand so that it appeared like a karate chop or a knife hand. Roman saw what appeared to be a good candidate. Her legs were just slightly parted under a bright colored mini dress. Ever so delicately, he moved his hand between her knees. Inch by inch, Roman slid his hand between her legs. The tablecloth hung low enough to obscure his presence. He was fairly certain no one could see him under there. And besides, they were all too far busy gossiping about everything under the sun as far as Roman could tell, paying attention to him. The object of his attention suddenly shifted in her chair. And like a flash, Roman pulled his hand back before she was any the wiser. Wow, that was super close, he thought. But at the same time, what an incredible thrill. He was hooked on his newfound game. He was going to try it again. Roman looked over to his left and then found his next challenge. She was wearing a lime green skirt with white daisies on them. It was the way she said that afforded Roman an unobstructed view between her legs. He could tell some of the other women were wearing underwear. White, pink, little flowers. He couldn't distinguish the color of her underwear, or even if she had any on, with the shadows between her thighs. But Roman felt fairly certain that he could make out pubic hair, just like Pocahontas had. Again, he turned his hand just so, like a knife, slowly and silently inched between her parted knees. Roman marveled at how this game had electrified his every nerve. His senses were magnified a hundred times over. Goosebumps ran up and down his arms. His whole body was literally humming with excitement. One false move and nothing but the gallows for me, he thought. Everything was on the line. Roman could hear her talking, her voice animated and full of energy. Sometimes she'd move just a bit and he'd freeze his hand, but knew he would be allowed to continue if he had the nerve. Roman felt every cell in his body tingle as he slid his hand even further in between her legs. He was so close now. The treasure, the forbidden fruit, Just mere inches separated the tips of his fingers from the mystery. By this point, there wasn't room to pass a hair between his hand and her thighs. 
Roman had gone as far as humanly possible. He'd won. So why did he feel so unsatisfied? Hadn't he proved beyond any doubt that he had what it took? That he had nerves as steady as a rock? Wasn't this proof enough, he wondered? This dilemma had fluttered around in Roman's mind like a moth trapped in a jar for years. Where does inspiration come from? How is a simple thought formed? Why does one idea pop into your head as opposed to another? If he lived for a million years, he doubted that he'd ever be able to answer that question, why? But somewhere in that tiny glob of gray matter that passed as a brain, a thought emerged as crystal clear and shiny as any he'd ever known. So powerful and all-consuming was this new wrinkle, an idea that had the force of a tsunami behind it. It carried Roman along, not a worry in the world of consequences or punishment. It was as unstoppable as a charging bull. His breathing became slower, like a monk meditating. His mind focused on one thing only. Roman's hand darted over the last few remaining inches until his fingertips felt the softness of her hair, the warmth of her skin. It felt like the sound cut through the idle chatter like a knife. She yelped out loud like a puppy getting its tail stepped on, clamping her legs as tight as Fort Knox security. Roman quickly resumed playing with his toy cars, seemingly unaware of all the commotion. Head down, occupied, staring at his cars, when Mrs. lifted up the tablecloth to investigate. And all she saw was a little blonde-haired kid with a Hot Wheel car in his hand. She shot him a curious look. She noticed the tiniest, mischievous twinkle in his little blue eyes. A smile began to grow on what he could now see was a very pretty face. Roman smiled back, and he blushed like a schoolgirl. Moore's voice cut the air. Roman Carol Bailey, get out from under there this instant. Go to your room, for heaven's sake. I'm so sorry. Are you all right? Mora asked the surprised junior leaguer. Yes, 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 I'm fine. He just startled me, I guess. I didn't realize he was under there, that's all. He's such a cute boy. Then she leaned back down and put her pretty face under the table. You're just a little prankster, aren't you? She whispered under her breath so that only Roman could hear. She gave him a wink as he crawled out from under the table. This will be our little secret, okay? She whispered. Roman nodded. He was nervous and scared, excited and thrilled all at the same time. He didn't know if he was going to get a whipping or be given a cookie. He did as he was told and went to his room, leaving in his wake giggles and laughter. The sounds of glasses clinking as he closed the door to his room felt that he had gone to the outermost boundaries of life. As Roman lay down on his bed and stared at the ceiling, his mind swirling with images he had never before imagined, He had felt that he had gone to the outermost boundaries of life.